for our lead, Pastor Brian, and for his, his heart for us, his leadership. You've gifted this man in some incredible ways. And I thank you that, that he takes the time, the energy to hear from you first. And I pray that as, as he brings your word to us this morning, as he talks to us about the life of this church and what you've given for us here in Boulder County, I pray that you would guide him, guide his words, help us to be receptive to it, knowing that it's you who wants to speak to us. And more than anything, Jesus, would you just be present in this place in a powerful way? Would we feel your presence? Would we, would we feel that tug on our hearts to grow closer to you and understand where you may want to, to move us and include us into the life of this church? I pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. How'd Alex do with announcements? Those of you who think differently, you can send me a quick email. <laughs> I'll shoot those to him, and we'll critique him together. <laughs> hey, so let's do this. You guys ready? Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, open them up to Psalm chapter 1. If you do not have a Bible, you can uh, use one in the seat in, in front of you or under you. There's Bibles kind of throughout. If you don't own a Bible and you want to keep that one, please do take that home with you. Um, you can turn your phones on as well to Psalms 1. We're going to get to that uh, here in just a moment. I love this church. Uh, this is our series that we launched last week. And as you can see, we're kind of modeling that a little bit this morning. T-shirts are on sale. We're doing a fundraiser for the church uh, on the heels of Billy being commissioned, our safety and security team is going to receive all of the proceeds. And you go, oh, cool. So are we arming? Are we buying guns for the whole team? Uh, as much as Billy would like that, no, we're not doing that. Uh, but what we are doing is our church is incredibly, uh, I'm trying to think of more ways to describe this, way behind in terms of medical supplies and safety concerns. So in other words, uh, if there is someone who goes into cardiac arrest, we have no paddles, we have nothing that can help them until the ambulance can get to us. We do not have a large uh, first aid kit that can handle uh, emergencies. We have no tourniquets. We have no uh, door slides that will protect doors from an active shooter. We don't have anything. Uh, we have some Band-Aids, we have some bug spray and some sunscreen. Uh, and so what we need to do... Uh, the safety and security team is going to be working to get us up to where we need to be on supplies to take care of you. On most emergencies that take place, uh, someone uh, slips playing at the Gaga pit and, and has a significant uh, injury. We want to be able to address that, but we also want to make sure that you are safe. So these shirts uh, not only promote uh, who we are as a church and allow you to show a little bit of pride in that, wear it around town, wear it at the gym, create some discussion, but it also uh, helps us tremendously uh, in being able to purchase a lot of these supplies that we desperately need to have on hand. Lord willing, never need to use them. But in case something were to happen, we would be ready for that. So those are the t-shirts on sale. We have youth, uh, small and medium. We have all women's sizes and all uh, men's sizes. So go back there. If we run out of your size that you want, just let Naomi or Jack know what size that you need and we'll make another order uh, going forward. All right, we good? All right, how many of you appreciate good poetry? You can be honest, some of you. How many of you like, you would never like to hear poetry, ever. Okay, seriously, Josh? 
Grace might like it if you learn some poetry. Just saying. All right, so we're going to play a little game. For some of you, you grew up learning some poetry. You still remember what it's like to grow up in school where they taught you some poetry. Nowadays, they virtually don't. And so it's going to be interesting to see how many of you can answer uh, some of these questions. I'm going to give you a phrase, and you're going to fill in the next part of that phrase. Does that make sense? And we'll start with an easy one. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. You guys are brilliant. Some of you look good, but all of you are brilliant. Okay, here we go. So you're going to say it out loud. Now, here's some of you are cheaters. I know your hearts. So you can't say it after others. And you're like, oh, yeah, I knew that. All right. You have to say it with everyone. Does that make sense? Okay, here we go. How do I love thee? How many of you did not know that? I appreciate your honesty. Okay, so they start a little bit easy and then we'll get a little bit hard. Once upon a midnight dreary. Say it. While I pondered weak and weary. How many of you knew that? Only Billy? Nerd? Okay. I think that I shall never see close, a poem lovely as a tree. Some of you got that one. Just so you know, the one that you guys did not get, the Midnight Dreary, that's Edgar Allan Poe. You should probably read some of that. All right, here we go. This is Shakespeare. If music be the food of love, play on. Nicely done. All right, anybody else know that? One nerd. Cool. Awesome. All right, listen, if you're single in this room, no matter what age, I'm giving you liquid gold for dates, okay? You can thank me later during your premarital counseling. I'm giving you gold here. All right. Uh, Tis better to have loved and lost. See, you guys nailed that one. How many of you have never heard that? Students? You're embarrassed? Okay, here we go. Here's my final one. This is one we're using this morning. Ready? Two roads diverged in a wood, and I continue it. Nice. All right. Now, how many of you know there are two eyes in that? And I, I took the road less traveled. Okay, some more poetry nerds. Okay, honestly, if you're dating, use some of these. If nothing else, it'll create some discussion. And honestly, you might not be a poet lover. I'm not a, I'm not a huge lover of poetry, but I appreciate some ones that I can actually understand. Some of them you read and you go, I have no idea what the author is trying to say here. But I like the ones that I can understand. And I want to take us back to this poem that you're seeing on screen. Isn't this a great picture? This is a picture, actually, of life. Life presents us often, in fact, all the time, with different forks in the road, different paths that we can take. We can turn right or we can turn left. How many of you remember the scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz? You can go that way or you can go that way. Life is full of this poem in ways that we can choose, decisions that we can make that have a huge impact on our lives. And in fact, I would venture to guess if right now you're thinking about your life, let's say over the last 15, 20 years, or 15 years if you're in the front row, uh, and you can think of decisions that you made that affected your life, some good, some bad. 
And now we're not talking just spiritual. They could be financial decisions. They could be relational decisions. You remember dating that deadbeat guy, and you're like, what in the world was I thinking? Decisions come into our life on a regular basis. And it's interesting that this is a huge theme throughout the Bible. It actually pops up in the pages of God's word on a regular reoccurring basis. And scholars have actually given this phenomena a, a name, and it's called the doctrine of the two ways. It's called the doctrine of the two ways because the Bible, especially if you were to spend some significant time in the book of Proverbs, the Bible is constantly presenting you have options. Make a good decision. How many of you parents remember, to, uh, or, or you're currently doing it like us, we're constantly telling our boys, make wise decisions. Why? Because there's options. There's options available. And so there's this doctrine called the doctrine of two ways. Jesus stressed it. In today's text, in Psalms 1, is one of the greatest examples of this doctrine, a doctrine of two ways. And so again, if you haven't done that yet, open to Psalms chapter one, and we're going to be reading uh, from that here in just a moment. There's a path that we can lead, and that leads us to spiritual growth. And then there's another path that we can take, and it leads to death and destruction and withering. Many will take Christianity, if you would, this, this life of following Jesus Christ and make it much more difficult. And the Bible says it's actually pretty easy, but you have to make a choice. One can hamper our faith. One can grow our faith. Two paths, and it's up to us to choose the right path every day. And so last week we talked about this on this series, we talked about belonging. What does it mean to belong to a church? What does it mean to say, this is my church and, and who belongs here And that? We said every single person that walks through these doors, whether they hate God and are completely far from God or walking close to him, you are welcome here. We want you here. We want you wrestling with God here with us, worshiping with us, growing with us. And so this week, we're unpacking this idea of growth, growing. And our mission is rooted in the Great Commission. We unpacked this a little bit last week in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. If you're in a life group, one of our questions this week is going to be, do you know this verse? Have you memorized this verse? It's super important to have this. This is Jesus's commands. And from that mission that we receive in the Great Commission, we have our church mission. And yes, a little church like ours has a mission statement. Uh, militaries have mission statements. Companies have mission statements. Clubs have mission statements. Rock Creek Church has a mission statement. We exist to equip every single person who walks through our doors to take the next step in becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. We don't exist for any other reason. Everything we're trying to do is pointing towards this mission. So those who surrender their lives to Jesus receive transformation. And last week, again, we, we unpacked that idea of belonging. There's actually four areas in this series. We're looking at belonging, 
growing, serving, and reaching. Those are our four primary ways of how do we, as a church, make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's our absolute priority. And spiritual growth is a significant point for that. And here is the big point for the introduction that I want to make to you this morning before we even jump in to the scriptures. And that is this, spiritual growth is a choice. I want to make that abundantly clear to you. If you choose not to grow spiritually, guess what? You're not going to grow spiritually. If you choose to grow spiritually and do what the Bible says, you will experience growth. Rock Creek Church, the elders, the pastors, we can't force growth on you. You can't, in fact, come and sit in one of these beautifully comfortable chairs every Sunday for the next five, six years on a Sunday morning and not do anything else and think you are going to grow. Don't read your Bible on your own. Don't join a group. Don't do a mission trip. Don't serve. Just come and sit. You will not grow. And I want to make that very, very clear to you because some of you, and not just you, those of you who are listening online and people nationwide are often looking and going, I don't know why I'm not growing. I feel like I'm the same as I was a couple of years ago. And so we want to address that in a very, very specific ways because if you don't do the things that can cause you growth, you're not going to grow. And this is what Psalm 1 paints for us. Those who choose to go down a road will grow. And those who go down a different road will not grow. And there's three things to be considered for growth. Let me give you the first one and then we're going to read the passage. Number one, it has to do with the company you keep. If you are going to grow or not grow, it in large part depends on the company that you keep. Now let me read Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks, not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his or her delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked, the other way, that's not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked, two ways, will perish. And in, in verse 1, we see three specific verbs that lead us down the wrong path. Instead of the psalmist jumping into the good, the psalmist chooses to jump in to the wrong path. What, what, do you, what do you not do that can lead to destruction? And it begins with walking with the wrong group. That is the initial stages as you walk with the wrong group of people. And then the scripture says that you begin to stand with. You either stand with physically or you stand with mentally, emotionally, uh, ethically, morally, culturally, you stand with them. And then finally, scripture says, as we end up sitting with that group. Notice that progression. And this is so important. Students, this is a big Sunday morning for you guys, but it's not limited to students. 
It's for all of us, regardless of our age. Because once we begin to walk with the wrong group, it's very easy to begin to stand with them. And before we know it, we're sitting. And the person in verse 1 is hanging out with this group and is becoming more like the group who does not share the same morals or values or standards as God. It doesn't mean that, that, that we need to stand and walk and sit with those who share our morals and our beliefs and our political standpoints, but God. God is the one who sets the bar, and then we respond to him. In verse 1, it's talking about the one who is hanging out with those who do not share that with God, and therefore, they become like them. Your spiritual growth, students, please hear this. Adults, please hear this. Your spiritual growth in large part depends on who you spend the most time with. What I used to tell college students and high school students as a youth pastor is true for adults as well. Who you choose to surround yourself with is who you, you, who you begin to look like. It will happen. No one's immune to that. No one says, well, that's fine, but I'm going to have all of my friends that are going and doing this, but I'm just friends with them. I'm not going to look like them. I'm not going to act like them. I'm just friends with them, mom. Wrong. It's not going to happen. You will begin to look like, talk like, act like those who you spend the most time with. It's like if you've ever spent time in the South. Roll Tide. If, if you spend time in the South, you can say, I will not talk Southern. No matter what, I, I refuse to use that whatever they use in the South. However, you go spend a month in the South, a y'all is coming. <laughs> Some form of Southern will come out of you. You might fight it. You might even feel your mouth forming the words and go, no, I don't want to do this. And then out it comes. <laughs> Why? It's not just the South. You go to the Bronx in New York or into Chicago, you will develop it because wherever you are, whatever you have surrounded yourself with, that is what you will start to become. You want to get healthy? Hang out with healthy people. You want to be smarter? Hang out with smarter people. You want to get into less trouble? Hang out with people who don't get into trouble. This is, a, this is an absolute that, that has shown itself true over time. Because over time, you will take on the look, the behavior, the language, the morals, the outlook of those who you spend the most time with. The Bible says that this happens uh, because of sin in the spiritual realm. If, if you hang out with those who are growing uh, and maturing spiritually, you have a greater chance to do that as well. Is it a guarantee? Is it, is it something that is, if you do one plus one equals two, it's not going to happen that way. But you provide a better opportunity for yourself. And this is why life groups are so important. 
This is why forming relationships with like-minded people who go, you're, you're pursuing the Lord too? Man, so am I. You have struggles pursuing God? Man, so do I. Are, are you having trouble with your kids and decisions they're making or, or raising them? Man, so am I. Let's do this together. Let's encourage each other. Let's dive into the word of God together. Let's support each other. That's why life groups are so unbelievably critical for Rock Creek Church. The New Testament book of Hebrews, the author puts it this way. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Those verses tell us we have a choice. Students, you have a choice. Adults, you have a choice. It's the doctrine of the two ways. We can make a regular habit of meeting together, of growing together, of wrestling together, and spur us on in faith and walk through our highs and lows with fellow followers of Jesus, or we can do church sporadically and when it's convenient and when we feel like it and when it feels good or when we're not tired and when life settles down and your spiritual growth is going to be minimal. It's simple. Two roads. Did you know that in 2017... The experts on church growth and church attendance, there's people that study this all the time and then spit out data. The experts lowered the percentage for what they deemed to be a regular church attender. Does that make sense to you where you go, hey, am I a, a kind of church attender? Am I a regular attender? Do I never miss? What does a regular attender of a church mean? The experts lowered that percentage to be, if you go to church 35% of the year or more, you're regular. I want you to think about that for a moment. If you did anything else in life, 35%, what grade do you get? You go to soccer practice, 35%. I'm going to go to work 35% of the time. Please try that. Let me know how that goes for you. We only have unpaid internships available at Rock Creek, so don't come to me looking for a job. 35% are considered regular church attenders. There's something drastically wrong with that. One third of the time. And that makes you regular. And not only as a pastor, but as a, as a son of God, as a follower of Jesus, I think it's pathetic that our experts even contemplate that. I want to give you a challenge between now and Christmas Eve. I want to give you a challenge not to miss church for any reason. Not travel, not work, not super late night on Saturday night, not a football game that's your favorite and it starts at 10, but you're too old school to have DVR. Don't miss church. Now, I'm not saying Rock Creek. Don't miss going to a church. Doesn't even have to be Rock Creek. 
You might be up in the mountains in Breckenridge. Go find a church. Make it a priority between now and Christmas and see what it does to your faith. See what kind of growth you have. If work's a pain, then schedule around it. If get-togethers, if life groups, whatever, schedule around it, but don't miss church. It's part of why we love this church, because we're together. Number two, the thing that will affect your growth is the habits that you develop or ignore. You say, well, tell me about what, what does it mean to grow in my relationship with Christ? Number one is depending on the bulk of who you spend your time with. Number two is tell me about your habits or lack thereof because that will dictate. There are some common denominators on those who are growing and some habits that are common for those who are growing as a disciple. Go with me back to verses one and two. It says after the bad part, verse 2, but his or her delight is in the law of God and his law, and on his law he meditates day and night. There's one significant principle here, and that is the man or woman who is growing in Christ meditates on God's word on a regular basis. I'll be very frank with you. You don't read your Bible, you aren't going to grow. You're just checking a box and doing the Christian thing. And that's fine. You can come here and, and we'll be patient with you and we'll help you take your next step. But if you are not reading your Bible, you will not be growing. Amen. You will have struggle in your marriage. You will have struggle at work. You will have struggle in your purity. You will have uh, an irritating demeanor. You will be critical of people. You will just be unhappy. You'll be angry. Why? Because you will not have the word of God in you. You must be in the word of God if you are going to grow. And there's a principle here, and that is that you must meditate on it. The law here is the Hebrew word Torah. And Torah means everything that God's word teaches. That's all the word means. Everything that God's word instructs to us, you must be in it. Not reading a verse here or a verse there or, you know, like me, you version throws me verse of the day and I'll read that and I love that. It's actually super encouraging. But if my whole time with God was based on the verse of the day, I wouldn't grow very deep. I'd be very, very shallow. If you want to grow spiritually as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you must be in the word of God a lot a lot if you want to grow. And in our app, uh, we have a church app. It's, it's free. You can grab it on both iOS and Android. In that, there are Bible reading plans of all different degrees. You can just read the New Testament, the Old Testament, the minor prophets. You can read the book, uh, the whole Bible in a year. There are several different devotionals on there for couples for singles, for students, whatever it is, you go, well, I, I can't just pick up the Bible and just start reading it. We have tools that will help you. Go, go to our devotional section on our app at the very bottom, and we'll help you learn about it. But notice in verse 2, it's not that you just read the Bible every day. It says that you meditate on it. Now, I'm not asking uh, for you to figure out how to connect your thumb to your pinky and, and sit, I can't sit Indian style. I don't, how many of you cannot sit Indian style? Any of you? Uh, 
I know Anna can, uh, crazy stuff over here, yoga. But I, like, I'm not saying, you know, sit up on a ladder, Indian style, holding your fingers together and saying, aum, all right? If you want to do that, please have someone video that for me because I'd love to see it. But what does it mean to meditate on it? I want to help you understand this. Very, very literally, it means to chew on it. Over and over and over. Now, I'm not trying to disgust you here, but it's very much like a, ch a cow chewing its cud. How many of you ever watched that at great length? I have. I have issues. I've watched it at great length. When a cow chews its cud, it chews it where it should be done, but it continues chewing it. Over and over and over. Now, I don't own a cow. Any of you guys own a cow? I don't own a cow. I have two dogs, Johnny and Cash. That's Fat Johnny. It's like a mafia name. That's Fat Johnny and that's Cash. Now, I have chew toys for Johnny and Cash. And if I pull them out, their little green bones that are, are supposedly to help them with their breath and their teeth... I, there might be a lawsuit available because it doesn't help with their breath. But when I pull them out, they, they wait and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and they will chew on that and chew on that and nothing can disrupt them because they are chewing on it and chewing on it and chewing on it. And this is what we're supposed to do with the Word of God. This is what we're supposed to do with the principles that God, the creator of the universe, has given to us. We read a small portion every day, and then we chew on it. We think about it. We wrestle with it. We talk to others about it. We journal about it. We pray about it. We, we dream about it, and then we meditate on it. Are you with me? Some of you are like, man, I've never done that in my whole life. Or some of you are like, man, it's been years since I've done anything like that. Or I don't even agree with that. I'm just letting you know what the Bible says. This isn't Brian's uh, three steps to growth. This is the Word of God. The Word of God says if you want to grow and go down that path of growing in your relationship with Christ, you will meditate. You will chew on the Word of God. This is what the growing disciple of Jesus does. And in verse 2, it says that the disciple delights in it. It's not a pain in the butt. It's not an inconvenience. It's not something I have to do, guys. It's not something I'm forced to do or I'm irritated because. I take delight in it. Does that mean I'm going to walk away every time I spend time in the Word of God with a delighted heart and with this huge revelation? I'm not promising that in any way. But when we associate spending time in the Word of God with spending time with God, there's a delight. When Sandy and I go on a date and we are away from kids... I take delight in that. It's wonderful. It's not a pain in the neck. When I go fishing or hiking, 
or I ride a motorcycle, I take delight in that. That's not a pain for me. And, and so that what the psalmist is saying is not only do you spend time in God's word, thinking about it, reading it, but then you meditate on it, you chew on it, you wrestle with it, but then you also delight in it. Do you see that progression? And that's part of why our church exists, is to help you take your next step in becoming a more fully devoted follower of Jesus, to help you grow in your faith. That's why we exist as a church. Embrace the Bible, and I promise you, you will grow. Spend time with God. Ignore the Bible, and I promise you, you will not grow. Or if anything, it'll be very superficial and very shallow. Now, I don't mean that to be accusatory. I'm not pointing fingers at any of you. Allow the conviction of what God wants to say to you. Allow him to say that to you, not me. But I'm just saying, you have to be in the word of God if you call yourself a Christ follower. It's that easy. And like the poem, it says that there's a fork in the road, Psalm 1. The company you keep will guide your growth and the habits you create or that you ignore, will dictate your growth. And I, and I just want to say again, if you need help growing, we'll help you. You can come and talk to uh, Alex and I personally, or you can use our app with some reading plans or devotionals. We'll help you. And finally, the last one is uh, how you grow or don't grow is based on the fruit that you bear. It's the fruit that, that comes from you. This picture of a fruitful, eventful prosperous tree is what we're called to become. Uh, my folks and I and the boys spent uh, time yesterday picking apples from our apple tree. It's not been a very good season because it's, it's been so hot. But half the apples were good and we're making a ton of crisps and applesauce and freezing them and having fun with that fall. Half of them were rotten, still on the tree. Uh, and, and it became apparent to me as I'm picking these apples, I'm like, man, you can have the same fruit even on a tree, meaning you can have the same people even at a church. You can have those who are growing fruit out of their lives, changing, allow the Holy Spirit to be changing them, and at the same time, those who are just sitting still with their arms crossed and not growing. You can have the same group even in the same church. And what the psalmist is saying is this is a tree that doesn't wither. It doesn't die. It doesn't just sit there. In other words, the choice is ours. And I want to keep posing it to you. Do you want to grow in your relationship with Christ? Which tree do you want to become? And the fruit of a tree, very quickly, in the Bible, when it speaks of the fruit of a tree, speaks of two significant things. And I just want to give those to you very quickly. One, we're going to have a series on, so I'm not going to go into greater detail. But the first one is that fruit in a growing Christian produces godly character. If you want to know, am I growing? Then look at the person of Jesus and the God of the Old Testament and go, am, am I taking on his character? Is that coming out in me? Galatians says that the Spirit of God comes to you to live in you and that he has an agenda to take the old and shove it away and bring in the new and allow that new to live. To make you more like Jesus. To produce more characteristics 
like Jesus in your life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit of God living in you. The litmus test, am I growing? Now, in no way does the Bible says that this has to be perfected. In no way does it say that you got to nail all these. You go, man, I don't know if I'm really growing because I'm still struggling with my patience. Well, join the party. We're all growing. We're all wrestling with these things. But these are the things that God wants to produce in you and then have you live out. The litmus test is not how much of the Bible you know or how many times you have come to church or how much you tithe or how much you serve. The litmus test is, is your spirit, is your character changing because God is doing a radical thing in you? That's the first one. The second aspect of a fruit tree is good works. Uh, Paul writes this uh, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. And I'm not going to talk a, a huge amount about this right now because we're going to be unpacking this in greater detail next week when we talk about serving, serving other people. But when you are a fully devoted follower of Jesus... When you're growing in your relationship with Christ, you begin to transition from a self-centered to an other-centered. You, you, be, you begin to transition from a what's in it for me to a what can I do to give. And it's not something you... That's Old Spice, by the way. <laughs> and that's my ringer that I did not turn off. Julia Hansen, by the way, so she is that wrong. <laughs> when you're growing as a disciple of Jesus, you transition from just thinking about me, just thinking about self, just thinking about, about what is around me to thinking outside of yourself. That, that is a natural transition. If you try and force that on yourself, if you try and force that behavior without the Holy Spirit, you are in for a colossal disaster. Why? Because your sin nature will always win out if you're trying to do it on your own. If the Holy Spirit is doing it in you, you will have the success. It'll change the way you see your job. It'll change the way you see your friends. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your parenting perspective. It'll, it'll change you. The fruit. Your character. In your work. And friends, this is Rock Creek Church. This is who we are. This is our strategy. This is our mission. Let me be the first to say we're not perfect. I say that on behalf of all of you and all the elders and all the staff. We are not perfect. We are going to fail you. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to irritate you. We are going to force you to sin because you're going to want to hit us for whatever reason. 
but we're all trying to grow. We're all trying to take that next step in our relationship with Christ. It's our mission to equip you to take the next step in becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And the question is, are you going to grow? The, the choice is yours. If you say yes and you're willing to put in the work and you're willing to do the things that Scripture says causes you to grow, you are going to grow. If you say yes, but you're not willing to do what Scripture calls you to do, you are going to wither and you're going to struggle and you're going to blow with the wind. You can be like a tree planted by streams of waters which yields its fruit and whose leaf does not wither and whatever you do prospers. Or you can be like a dead branch shaking in the wind. And in large part, not completely, please hear me, but in large part, it has to do with the company you surround yourself with. Whatever company dominates your life, the habits that you develop or you ignore, and the fruit that you bear. Let's pray together. So, Lord, this is part of why we love our church. That we don't want to just go through the motions. We don't want to just sit and occupy a chair. We want to grow. We want to experience more of you. We want to be aware of your presence more often. We want the insights and direction and guidelines for the scriptures to become more alive for us. We want to address sin and struggle. We realize this is not a PTA club. This is not a, a community gathering. This, everything that we're talking about is life and death. So I want to thank you that you take a, a small church like ours and use it to do big things for you. God, help us to wrap our minds around more often that the more that we dive in and plug into you, you in turn change us to be more in tune with you and the world around us so that we can be used by you. May that start with worship. May that begin with a surrender. May that begin with a love song to you for what you've done for us, dying on the cross for our sins and giving us the opportunity for new life, not only now, but for eternity. As we pray all these things, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, our King. Would you please stand with me?